Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weeding now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. All right, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. and welcome in to another episode of the penny bloom podcast it is i colton robertson and you have returned for the fifth edition of the sarlacc sound wave i am joined today by joseph george what's up homie what up what up always a pleasure to be here oh and it is always pleasure to have you i'm also joined by tillman mcclooney what's up homie it's always great to be back on the podcast happy to be here add diversity once again oh of course i'm glad to have you back i'm glad to have you back and we are also joined by miles motherfucking buttress what's up homie i'm happy to be back every single week ready to talk about uh you know some mandalorian yeah let's talk about the mandalorian huh so it's a good episode it's a good episode uh one might say it's in the wrong show Wrong show, but a fantastic episode regardless. Necessary, though. Necessary. And I, I, I'm excited to get there. I'm very excited to get there. But, uh, uh, almost, yeah. It, this almost seems like an episode, like, had had they been allowed to, like, run both of these series at the same time? Or, like, in, like, offsetting, mm. like, or, like, offsetted barely that they would, like, show this episode? Then would have a corresponding episode in the Book of Boba Fett? But See, because they're not doing it that I way. Like this. Because yeah. we've seen just how bad that can go on Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, yeah. all that. Oh, yeah. No, I'm uh, not saying they do that. I'm saying, like, if it was done that way, this seems like that type of episode. But no, I know. Because it's like, not, they it, had to be, like, we... one of the biggest gripes with this episode to the to the general public that Boba Fett isn't in this episode, which I also yeah. have that gripe. Not not entirely a fan of the fact that he didn't even show up. Uh, mm. but, but it's a, it's a very necessary episode. Because if, if he just showed up. And was like, hey, I'm here. You'd be like, what? What have you been doing, dude? Like, what? You know. Right. Right. Okay. And here's and another thing. Like, seven episodes seemed like a weird number. Makes it's not more round. Sense it's not sexy. It's because there's a six-episode arc yeah. dedicated to Boba and one episode inserted to fill you in on what Din's been up to. Because, let's face it, there's been two seasons of The Mandalorian, and he is the focal point of this era of Star Wars. So... If we pick up season three of Mando and we don't have this, the amount of catch up we're doing at the beginning of the season of The Mandalorian is immense. Yes. Uh, yeah, that, that's why this episode's perfect. Because even if even if you go without watching the book of Boba and you just pick up with wherever they pick up in the Mandalorian, you'll just be like, Oh, he has a new ship, and I guess he lost relations with, you know, his old crew. That's like the only two things that really have happened, and that he's with Boba. Like you just kind of assume these things anyways, like going just from like if we were to go into season three, watching that first episode we'd be like, I mean, yeah, he still has his dark saber. And then if he had a new ship, we'd probably be like, well, I guess we'd like to see how he got it. But I guess we're cool with him having a ship. So like even all these things that happened, like they're not really crazy big events that needed to happen in the Mandalorian specifically. Um, and like, I'm not really upset that Boba didn't show up because like this, I think 
it's just like the scope of what Boba is involved in. And it's like his whole crime family and the the rise of it. And, you know, that also includes Din. He's probably going to be a large part of, of helping Boba out. And uh, maybe Mandalore gets involved later, but that's a whole complicated mess. But, like, I don't know. I, I, I thought this was a nice, like, change of pace. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I think they knew everyone would love this episode anyways. Um, just because everyone loves Din, but, but, uh. No, yeah, and that see that's the thing, you know. Uh, Tillman Tillman pointed out to me uh, via the via the group chat that we might have overhyped this episode mm. uh, coming off of it, and you know I respect that take, I really do, uh, and and it and it did cause me to go watch the episode again with a different lens, kind of like okay, Truthful let me bring take. myself down. Is it just because it's the Mandalorian? And I will say, in part, yes, but the thing is, is that's not a bad thing. Uh, like, it's not, like, necessarily a negative, like, it's, like, it just made me realize how important the Mandalorian as a character, Din Djarin himself, is important to me. Uh, just because, like, when I view, when I look back on the Mandalorian, I worry, like, eh, do I like the Mandalorian because of the story they're telling or because of all the other things around them? Do I like it because of Grogu and because Luke Skywalker showed up and all of this and all of that? But here, we get an episode of Din. Mm. unhindered by anyone else around him and i fucking loved it mm-hmm. and it just let me know that like my love for the mandalorian is genuine not just a not just a uh, a result of how good the show is i think this episode is enhanced if you've watched clone wars as well just oh. having like that dark saber background knowledge it like just makes mean, this episode well, so much and cooler. rebels yeah, yeah, so I, was gonna say, yeah I guess clone yeah, wars and mostly guess, rebels yeah, yeah the um, being rent like and the way that this era of star wars is looking it's looking like, uh, you know, Boba Fett, Din Djarin, a couple Mandalorians in these two primary shows, and then Ahsoka is going to have Sabine Wren right along for the ride. Uh, and now I think we're looking at three characters who kind of define or are becoming the definition of what the Mandalorian should be and what could, what could be and kind of what Satine had envisioned for the whole, the whole shit. Mm. Uh, still warriors, but with a heart to them. Uh, and it's like, I can definitely see them being the, the future of the Mandalorian people, uh, which mm. is, which is very interesting. And, uh, you know, and like it, I went into this episode going like, we talked about this at length, you know, Din doesn't want to be the ruler of Mandalore. It's mm-hmm. like, he's going to do everything he can to get rid of that saber. This episode He's claiming that. That is kind of seems like, yeah, it kind of seems like he to. wants to be the one and to he rule has, Mandalore. He has some reasons too, as well. Like he was banished from his crew and like over literally just taking his helmet off, you know? And like, he will see that and he will be like, that shouldn't be enough to break the bond that we've built. Yeah. Like this whole he time. Literally he's says gonna... it, like lines before she asks him that like minutes mm. before, mm. you know, she, he asks if he can go visit Grogu. And she's like, you know, Jedi forbid attachment. And he goes, that's the opposite of our creed. We mm. are about loyalty and solidarity. And then mm-hmm. minutes later, she literally turns her back on him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tells him to go fuck himself because he took his helmet off. Oh, he's I yeah, I, I wasn't of the hand that, that Den would would want to to lead or or be the one behind and wielding the Darksaber, but but I'm uh you know I'm in the <sighs> camp 
now. I know. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, 100% in the camp. And you know what? I know exactly why it's such a big 360 or 180 from what we thought it was going to be. They yeah. listened to the podcast and changed the story. God damn it. They were like, they got it too right. We got it. We got to fix this. But you guys must understand how the law works. Yes, she turned her back on him, but that is also part of the creed. You do not take your helmet off. We yeah, do but not agree this, with it. It's it's, it's the, the same thing as is the as the Jedi creed that they had of yes, it's the creed. It's a stupid fucking creed. It's extreme. Uh, yeah, it's extremist and stupid. It's a cult. It's a cult. Uh, like, and it's 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 gonna and, fall for the same reason that the Jedi fell because they you know the hard hardline stance to refuse the uh, allowing attachments, and it's that's what I think what what Din here is gonna try and get rid of is the getting rid of the requirement of you're never allowed to take your helmet off because it's it's extreme and it's not necessary. Well like what about sleeping real quick? Can we just address you're that? you're allowed they to in the are. in like yeah. the in, in private. You he just no one... private of a droid. That's the part that I was like just no, say it was a freaking droid. No, that wasn't the one he was talking no, about. No, he was saying Grogu and Luke. He was when at the end of like... season two he takes his helmet off in front of is it's in front of like Luke Grogu yeah, and the I second mean, to last episode of the Mandalorian in season pretty two. Pretty much only Grogu and Luke get a good look at Mando's face. Like everyone I mean, else is kind of looking from behind, and you know they see the side of his face, but like yeah, everyone saw it in the room. Yeah. You know they were all like, oh my god, that's his fucking face. So like they were obviously looking, and like I mean yeah, like now nah, yeah. See, I think uh, it's it's just a really, really good episode, you know? And, uh, I don't think there's a better example of like a religious zealot and an extremist and kind of a brainwashing tactic to, that is more exemplified than when the armorer tells him about the story of the, the night of a thousand tears Mm. and ends it with only the people who followed the creed made it off of the planet. That's it. Only the people who did this survived. Like, they showed that entire capital be blown up and destroyed completely. And, like, I hope that's a lie. Like, I hope that's not true. No, I feel like it's 100% true. I think the lie part is the only the people that followed the creed survived. Because we see Bo-Katan and her her pals clearly survived and they didn't follow the creed. How are they going to build a capital that cool and not, like... I like whenever I, I mean, saw that seen capital it a bunch. in, in yeah. Clone Wars in live action. No, not in live action. That's but what I'm saying. Like, like at the first oh, time I yeah. saw it in, like Clone Wars or in, like in animation, I'm like, oh my god, this in live action would be insane. You know, if they were to pull it off. I mean, and it then, was a pretty then, like, insane scene. Yeah, because yeah, we saw the outside of it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like inside when they're flying like through the yeah. buildings that like make the shape of like the helmet, you know, and like yeah. That's just oh. a lot of money if you want a live action there, probably, you know. But That's I mean, true. along with Leia, along with that, I mean, I, I, when she was talking about the purge, the great purge, I was thinking back to Mandalore and the Clone Wars series when they were like, you know, we want no part in whatever you guys are doing out here. You know, we're doing our own thing. We're remaining neutral, which that flew when it was during the war. But when you got the winning side that is like, nah, you're going to fall in line. And they're like, you said what now? Yeah. Then it's just, yeah, you know, so yeah, and I mean, like, I'm not really surprised. I'm not surprised because I'm not surprised they fell because I'm like, it's the, it's the empire. Like they eventually later on developed a weapon that just destroys planets, you know? No, yeah. And the way that they went about doing this, it was pretty thorough. Uh, Like the amount of bombers you saw in the sky, they weren't leaving anything out. Uh, The, The bombers, the droids going through after the fact and just 
just you know peppering everybody yeah. with you know just terminator yeah, blasters full on full terminator on 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 mandalore just yeah y'all ready so for what... a uh, scene by scene yes i'll t- i'll yeah. hold it in i need yeah, yeah we've got to we've got a lot of scenes to talk about we're talking about the v scene a lot right now so mm-hmm. i want to i want to get through it real quick but uh you know, we open. Oh, let me lay the groundwork first. Uh, released on January twenty sixth, twenty twenty two. Written by John Favreau. Directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. Chapter five: Return of the Mandalorian. And that little play on Return of the Jedi is obviously going to immediately make me hard. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, the episode opens with a bunch of Platoonian uh, butchers working in their little fucking wa- uh, warehouse, uh, and we see a little silhouette of our boy Din. And that, when he steps through and it's like, fuck yeah, baby, we in here. And about, like, the entire, like, Tuesday, because I stayed up till 2 a.m. to watch this one, mm. I was thinking, like, you know, we, we theorized a lot about how the hell they would handle this, when he'd show up, what, what, and I was like, I was thinking to myself, you know, based off the way the Mandalorian is paced, he might straight up just be there from the get-go i didn't expect a whole episode based around din i expected them to just show up at boba's palace and like that was going to be it but Mm. then to quickly see that uh you know we're just we're just with din we're rocking with din uh i was like okay all right i'm in i'm in uh that shit was hard uh but uh Mm. you know he makes his way through walks past a bunch of uh clatoonians and enters an office where he states he's looking for Kaba Bias. And uh, one of the Clatoonians is like, what makes you think he's here? And he just very casually pulls out the tracking fobs like, I know he's here. Uh, and the alien asks, you know, why? He owes, him, he owes someone a lot of money. Who? It's not my business. Uh, so he's like, well, if I see him, I'll let you know. And he pulls out his little, <laughs> his little fucking thing, his little puck. Checkmate. I think I see him right now. <clears throat> He's like, that's not me. That doesn't even look like me. And, uh... You're a businessman. Let's discuss our options yeah, here, Din, okay? Din looks around. <laughs> He's like, all right, I'm going to give you the opportunity to walk out of the door. I have no quarrel with you. Just this guy right here. And Baya's like, well, I have the upper hand. <laughs> so you're, you you'd seem like a man of reason. What are our, uh, what are our options? I can bring you in warm. Or I can bring you in cold. Yeah. And I was like, yes! The whole bring you in cold part, I was thinking the, uh, like, you know, he's going to freeze him. Forgetting mm. about the fact that he doesn't really, you know, like, who knows what ship he's in or whatever. I was thinking mm. he was going to do the, uh, you know, like like he did to the uh, one guy in the Mandal- in the first season of Mandalorian. The kryptonite? Freeze him in yeah, kryptonite? Not kryptonite. Car- carbonite. Carbonite. Carbonite? Okay, kryptonite. yeah, yeah. Like, freeze him in carbonite? I was <laughs> thinking he was going to do that. And at the end of the scene, wherever he just, he's walking Coded. out with the dude's head in a bag. I'm like... Oh, oh! So he meant yeah. like cold, cold. <laughs> yeah, like dead. Uh, but you know, one of the Clatoonians jumps towards Din, bites his fucking hand. He's like, "God damn, really? That's how we're doing it?" Okay. Uh, so he fights all of them off. A Clatoonian fires a bunch of blaster bolts at his bag, and then mm. one after nut this... right after the other. You know, we get the mm. line, and then bam, right, right here. So I mean, come on, man. Ah, oh, continue. Sorry. Now, I just wanted to say, like, I just love those moments in Star Wars where there's talking and then there's just maybe like a little scuffle, but then all of a sudden somebody just drops the dick on the floor and goes, 
I got a fucking lightsaber. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, fuck. Because Everyone's like, done. Come Someone, on, man. Just says, you better be ready. I'm about ready to push some pee. He's all, those, push yeah. some pee. all those henchmen had to just be like, really? Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do against this thing that can literally cut through anything? Yeah, I don't I love- know why they tried. <laughs> I don't know, one, not- the fact that the, the, that the leader guy tries to like, how do you be like, I don't know who that is. What do you, he's not here. And it's like, dude, I have, I'm, I literally have something that tells me that it's you. You think they would like, set I, me out on a bounty? Yeah, I know it's know you. who I'm like, looking for. They didn't just tell me you were 50 on this one, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I have not something that, important. That, is, that is tracking you. Um, and then also the fact that he's like, I mean, you guys can all leave. I don't need to kill all of you. And then he lights up the dark saber, and they're all still like, "Yeah, I think we should fight." <laughs> like yeah. I get, I get the boldness whenever it's like it's like six on one, and you think he's just a normal bounty hunter. Cool, be bold. As soon as he lights up the dark saber, you know what? That's the rule of Mandalore. Yeah. And I'm, I'm gonna, gonna go hang myself on one of these hooks. Yeah, that's just how it goes in the mob stories, though. You know, your captains they'll fight for you in every moment, but then the guys that are right outside the door, like they're taking all the money right after you guys are dead. You know, like that's that's just how it goes. And like, to. you know, I, I you know, like they're they're trying yeah, to the, make this guy seem somewhat important wow, that he was running wow, somewhat wow. of a crime <laughs> thing. You know, but, but I'm like, here, yeah. And then to get but to give us that like right off the bat, you know, sometimes you sit and you wait, but I think they've been very good as far as. You know, some people were disappointed with the first episode because they were like, oh, it takes a while to get in. It took a while to get into it and whatnot. I mean, like, they've been good, I think, so far with the previous weeks of episodes of giving us something to hook us at the beginning, whether it be a storyline from his past or if it's some type of chase scene after the mayor or something, you know, just. And so me watching it, I'm thinking as a viewer, I'm like, oh, OK, Mando collecting a bounty. OK, he about to tear these dudes up. But like in the back, like in the front of my head, I didn't go. Oh, he has a Darth. He's walking in. Oh, there's Mando. He has a Darth Saber. No, yeah, that's what's interesting. Is like I'm sitting here. I'm wondering, like, okay, what does the Darth Saber mean to him at the moment? Is it a is it a weapon he won't use to take on bounties? You know, Bo Katan's just fucking pissed. This man's using the Darth Saber for fucking bounties. But uh, you know, uh, OP though. Oh yeah, and you know he throws this motherfucker around the room. You know, it looks real heavy. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and during the struggle, he accidentally wounds himself with a little leg tap and, uh, and then two Ouch. of the Clatonians, uh, attempt to restrain him while Baez pre- prepares to shoot him and breaks free, cuts them all down. And, you know, he sticks that vibro blade in him, slams him on the desk. Mm. And then he sliced him in half. And I was like, oh shit. I didn't think we were going there. Do you think he knew you know, because this is like a weapon that he's very new with, and this is probably his first fight that he had with it. He no, knows, he, okay, he, he obviously it. knows it's cutting through anything he slices with it. But, like, he's never had a weapon where he can cut someone in half this easily, you know. And it, he's just trying to kill these people. I don't think, like, I mean, I I mean. I, he, I knew, he, he knew did, what he, he, knew I mean, he was like, cutting this person in half. He's used the Darksaber to, like, cut through doors before. You don't think he's thinking as he's, like, mid-downswing on this that it's not going mean, to cut this heavy. dude in half? He's just trying to get the kill, and that's, like, just the way he had to do it right there. And even know? if not, you know, he's watched Luke. True. Do his yeah. fucking thing <laughs> with a lightsaber. So yeah. he, knew, he knew the thing. He's, he's fought lightsabers. Mm. With with a Beskar spear, knowing a Beskar spear is the only thing that can stop it, or Beskar is the only thing that can stop it. So I'm I'm pretty sure he knew he was cutting right through this motherfucker. Uh, and then to get that shot of all of them 
outside looking through it and then to see the dark saber like rise up and then hear and you know that's him cutting off this dude's head it's like oh my god this is we're really out here and uh you know he walks outside with his with the head in the bag and den's like all right your boss is dead and i'm here to collect his bounty you know i don't want any trouble with you there's a pile of new republic credits in there they're not mine uh if you if you want to go ahead and get in there if you let me pass we can do that. And they're like, all right, sounds like a fucking deal. Uh, and he goes ahead and limps right on out of there. Uh, this was just a great opening to an episode. And like yeah. immediately, uh, it just really distinguishes the style of the Mandalorian from the book of Boba Fett, because like, we're immediately in here and I'm like, this is an episode of the Mandalorian. Like yeah. this doesn't look anything like anything we've seen in the book of Boba. And you know, the planetary thing could be a very important part of that. You know, we're on Tatooine. We're getting a lot of bright visuals. We're not getting a lot of low lit. Dark. Yeah. yeah like uh, it, artificial luminescent lighting. It's just kind of it's just kind of the sun all the time. Um, this was, as, as Tillman said, a very strong hook for an episode. Oh. And like I, I completely agree. Just it just drags, you know. You get the you know Mando coming in. You get the fight. You get him using the dark saber. You get him, you know, like piecing out with his bounty. And you're just like, oh my god, oh I love it. Oh, this is exactly you know, this is this is you know a great return to the Mandalorian style. Oh, it's it was it was just the best the best opening to an episode yet for me. And, also, uh, like the first time that we've really seen Mando, like or this is like what like the second or third time we've seen Mando like collect a real bounty. Yeah, like for real, for real, just be on a job, go yeah. and kill the motherfucker That's and leave. What I was gonna ask because like I'm trying is, to think the only other just, bounty we've is only this seen just him collect a simple bounty. You yeah, think yeah. you think it's well, yeah, it was it was him going after going after <clears throat> uh, info about how to get to the armor. Oh, that's true. That's all he yeah, added. That's right. That's right. That's it was money and exchange. For, yeah. And that's what's cool, too, is that, like, there's also the implication that there was a series of things that led him to this planet because mm. on this planet, he collects that bounty and goes and does the bounty on this planet, like the ring planet that we've seen. Uh, I think it's called it's called Glavis. Sick. Yeah. Uh, as, soon as, cool. I, as soon as I saw that, I sent Joseph a message. And I was like, damn, I didn't know we were watching. We were playing Halo. No, <laughs> yeah, that shit was fucking awesome. As soon as I yeah. saw that, I was like, oh. Kind of a cool thing so. is, like, their day-night cycle. Like, the planet itself is a clock. Like, uh, if you wanted to know what time it is, you just walk outside and look to where the sun is, you know, like, on the ring. And you yeah. would know, like, how – like, that's just, like, I don't know. Like, I just – I kind of just sat there and was like, damn, what would it be like to live on a place like this? Like, Dude, that place you, looked – awesome if you like i would assume you could just fly like horizontally straight across you know like in a ship and just go to like to the other side like if you want to go to your friend's house that's like on the other side you just just you don't have to go all the way over you know but i don't know like i was gonna ask uh the people who he got the job from you know who he got the information of the armor from um like do we know anything about them like are they are they just literally just some random, some, some random people characters who were on a random on the, planet uh, on this planet who yeah. had who had a bounty to be taken. He took their bounty, and that was it that. Was, it was probably like a you know these people know some information about about where the armor is at or like how to get down you know how, how to get down there. So he you know he was probably given like a tip of these people have some information. He went to them and said, "What do I need to do to get that information?" And they had a bounty for him, so he you know claimed them out, claimed the bounty, yeah. to get the was- information. 
what was this like uh him falling down the ladder almost was it just because his leg was leg. hurt well uh yeah we'll get there oh sorry uh, oh, my bad. no you're cool you're cool but uh in space, the camera, you know, depicts us this this ring world of Glavis, and we see him walk his way all the way up to that motherfucker in the in the place. But we saw him in the elevator next to someone who he's just holding a severed head. <laughs> uh, so if you're in the elevator next to someone holding a severed head, you do exactly what this guy did. Mm. Uh, you go, what the? F-? Oh, he's looking at me. Shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it made me think like there's just normal people in star wars you know not everyone is a din Jaren. no know? and that's like, what's hilarious is mm. like the way that i know if i get on an elevator and din Jaren gets on that elevator i feel perfectly safe but that's because i know din Jaren. <laughs> mm. yeah that's fair because <laughs> like everybody else can just assume this dude's a mandalorian he's holding a severed head i'm in danger uh <laughs> i'm in danger but uh you know meanwhile uh this guy's probably fucking pissing his pants. And Den's like, I literally couldn't give less of a shit about you. Uh, I'm just getting straight to business. And uh, he walks up to a group called uh, the Ishi Tib. The Ishi Tib. They, uh, they invite him. They're like, come on, go, come on, sit down. And he's like, where's the closest shaft to the substrata? And uh, they're like, come on, sit down. We got another, uh, we got another job for you. And he's like, you know, you fine. You can keep your reward. I'm gonna go ahead and, uh, take this somewhere else a lot of people wanted bias uh <laughs> he warns that if he doesn't give this information someone else will and uh, they're like all right fine head down to kolzak alley and the the heat vent towers they'll help you out there and he's like all right i'm gonna go and they're like come on we have another job for you he's like no go ahead and put this thing on ice yeah he does uh, not give a fuck anymore he's no, like- and then this this was just like itty bitty scene like mm. this, this two second framework where he walks out of this room into the, the elevator and then we watch him go down, mm. like the music being loud, the elevator doors shutting, watching him just, and the, the muffled music and stuff as he mm-hmm. goes down. I was like, it's just interesting to think about like, he's just on at a club, basically like a star Wars club. And he mm-hmm. just conducted a bounty. He's just leaving. Like, I don't know. I like thinking about things in like terms of the w- real world. Like, You've been in a place where music was blaring. You went to another room and you hurt. Like that's just a little, yeah, that, little real world touches. That camera work, like of him walking out, like that oneer. It was like a whole one mm-hmm. shot where like he got in the elevator, went down, and came out. Like unnecessary, you know. Like there's no no reason to do that, but it was just cool. It was just cool. Like oh yeah, that, but, you know. He walks out of that lift down the hallway and finds his way to some. Uh, he turns on his ultraviolet scanner and finds his way through some mythosaur markings makes his way all the way to a door where you know after he follows the trailer finds a, a hatch down beneath the stairwell and uh you know he does trip down this ladder and i think it's because he's just used to having healthy legs and then he mm. took a step like he had a healthy leg and he didn't have a healthy leg i was wondering like if it was just on it like a complete accident and they were like that makes sense we'll put it in there you know like, <laughs> yeah uh... that, that would be funny but i do think it's funny this dude walked who knows how long with this injury he walks he climbs down a ladder he does all this but it's these last five steps he just can't get thrown it's like running a marathon you think you're all good you cross that finish line and pass out like uh yo but when he gets down there at the bottom of those stairs and we see that shot of the armor looking all heimdall head ass out over the uh Mm. out over the stars Mm. i was like oh fuck yeah here we go baby and, uh, you know, we see the, the big boy, heavy, heavy infantry Mando as he is pri- uh, 
priorly been uh, referred to, but now he has a name in Paz Vizla. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tends fucking, to Din's fucking, injury. The fucking Vizlas. Fucking John Favreau, baby. Uh, is it actually him in there? It's his voice, yeah. That's awesome. Okay, because uh, I knew it was him last time, but I didn't know if they stuck with him. Like it, it, that, that, that is something I will say. I don't know if they stuck with him for this episode. Mm. It sounded enough like him for me to think he did. Yeah. Uh, but he did sound a little different, which mm-hmm. led me to believe maybe there was something else going on. But I didn't look into it. I'm a, and I'm a, just assume that it probably was him. Just to stick with the continuity. Probably assuming he wasn't the one fighting, though. Um, no, yeah, he, probably he, not in the not suit. In suit, probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. He has all that. Uh, wait, who, you said John Favreau, right? Yeah. I, I mean, he, he has all the experience from uh, from being happy, right? Yeah, you know, Happy Hogan. Scenes. He got that whole that whole sequence in Iron Man too. Exactly. So that who one knows? Guy. Maybe it was him. You know, posted up in the suit, he took doing his own stunts. But you know, uh, Vizsla kneels down next to Jar, and he's like, "We didn't know if we would see you again." And Din thanks him for saving him on Navarro, the first of many thank yous from Din Djarin in this episode, which I thought was just cute. He's becoming a very thankful little guy. Um, you know, can I just say, and, a fucking Paz Vizsla, he turns on Din so quick. Oh, and immedi- like, immediately, yeah. when he looked at the Darksaber for the first time, you're like, ah, well, here's our yeah. first challenger. Yeah, literally, um, he's like, you're like, <laughs> oh, he's like, he's so thankful. It seems like they're getting along. Who knows? Maybe they're going to be friends. Pulls his Darksaber out, and he's like, I'll kill you for yeah. it. Bring that yeah, to you know, me. Vizsla is like, even like, there are only three of us left. <laughs> he's the one who says that. And then uh, <laughs> he applies the back to spray onto him, and the armor is like, well, what what could have caused this? And he pulls out the Darksaber, and Vizsla's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and he goes and uh, carries it on over to the armor. Uh, she's t- she talks about the ancientness of the blade and mocks the Empire's measly 30-year existence in comparison to the Mandalorian's tens of thousands. And... Uh, the armorer asks if uh, if Din Djarin knows of the Darksaber and its significance. He's like, well, I know that it's the Darksaber and that whoever has it can win- can rule Mandalore. And she's like, yes, but the Darksaber must be won by creed in battle. Tells And like, this was, this was the part where it was like, aha! Mm-hmm. So this is how we clarify what happened when Bo-Katan just took the Darksaber, mm-hmm. which I really, really appreciated. And, you know, the armorer tells of a legend where one warrior is to beat 20 and thereby bringing the multitudes to fall before it. She says, however, if the saber is not won in combat or falls in the hands of the undeserving, the dark saber, dark saber will become a curse unto the nation. Mandalore will be laid to waste and its people will be scattered to the four winds. And, well, uh, well, there maybe you they got some truth to their cultness over here. Um, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. Or they um, maybe set these actions in place. Mokatan must have learned her lesson too, because you see, she didn't try to fight it either. When when Mando had it, she was like, "Nah, it has to be Juan," because he tried to give it to her. She must have learned her lesson. She was like, "Nah, I know I can't take that. I completely fucked Mandalore the first time." <laughs> Y'all, see, I, I feel like that's one of those situations where it just like it became its own self fulfilling prophecy, and then now she's just like she's afraid of it. It's kind of like the whole like the like. People oh, who are superstitious for games. I don't think there's actually and... a causality there. Oh but... yeah, no, but I'm saying like it's it's one of those. It's kind of like being superstitious for like sports and stuff like that, where it's your, it's its own self fulfilling prophecy, and yeah. you have to continue doing it, not because you think it actually works, but just in case it actually works. <laughs> right, exactly, and uh, just you know, Din rises to his feet with a with you know a little bit of a stagger and 
states the hilt is of a quality of Beskar that he has never seen before. And uh, the armor explains that the Darksaber was forged a millennium ago by the Mandalore Tar Vizsla. She explains that Tar was both Mandalorian and a Jedi. And like, I just like that there are just all the shit that you that like not all the shit you thought from Legends was true. Mm. Like, well, but there's plenty of stuff you know, they're taking from Legends history yeah. and going, this it's, happened. It's it's all the shit that it's like, listen, all you fucking mega nerds out there that have, you know, either read the Legends stuff or looked up the Legends stuff, you all already know this. But here's the stuff for people who aren't massive fucking nerds. Right. We're just right. going to tell you what happened because so that way you can understand why this is important. And that's, that's what's also kind of funny, though, is that because, like, every once in a while, Emily will be on standby while I'm watching one of these episodes, right? And uh, someone will say something like, that's worse than a skank in the scud pie. And mm. she'll be like, what the fuck? Mm. Uh, because, like, you know, there's like, and even terms like this, she explains that Mand- Mandalore Tar Vizsla was both Jedi and Mandalorian. It's like, what the fuck does that Tar Vizsla? Is that a person? Is that like, uh, but mm. that's you know, fair. To, like I, to the like un like uneducated Star Wars is kind of hard to get into. Like, it is like that. There's a reason that people who like Star Wars have liked Star Wars since they were young. It's like. It's not. It's not something. It's something that is extremely hard to jump into. Uh, like it's, Got a lot of dank Ferrix, uh this episode. Dank Ferrick. Um Mando had Lord. some some good similes or metaphors. You know, like we've been talking to how Boba's been having drive a, smooth yeah. as a gonk scomp jack. Like what the fuck? <laughs> I love that. It's yeah. They're all so fucking stupid too. <laughs> Man, and they're all things that that as we say, you like they say, and you're just like, shut up. <laughs> Next time I like shave my face or something, I'll be like, "Damn, that shit's smooth as a gonk scomp jack." <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, <laughs> then uh, says, "You know, he's met Jedi," and the armor's like, "Ah, so you've completed your quest." And uh, she's like, "You can come back and join our coven in order to rebuild." And they're like, "Yeah, this is the way." Uh huh. And then and Vizsla assembled the smelter and. Vizsla asks how he obtained the Darksaber, and Din's like, well, I defeated Moff Gideon. They're like, you better have killed his ass. Uh, and he's like, nah, if, if he's going to be killed, he'll be killed by the New Republic Tribunal. Like, they'll figure that shit out. And, uh, you know, they're like, you know, he, sh- he should have died. You know, he's responsible for millions of Mandalorian deaths. And Din says, you know, you know they'll be, they'll be, he'll be executed. And the armor's like, okay, we'll see. And that little line there is like, He's, okay. not gonna get he's, not executed. <laughs> he's not getting executed. Yeah, no way. No, he's not. But uh you know, I, I I I can't wait to see Moff Gideon again because like the way that they're eventually gonna tie up this Grand Admiral Thrawn to Moff Gideon and sort of this whole connection with the Empire trying to rebuild, like I'm I'm excited for however that's supposedly happening and I'm ready to see it sort of take place. You know mm. what I'm saying? Uh but this, uh, I guess this is kind of coming up. Um, but like this, the whole Mandalorian spear or like the Beskar spear, like, oh, yeah, kind of thing here. Um, I guess like the question arises is like if Mandalorian are like the only ones who know how to like work with Beskar, you know, and like it's not a very common, you know, like people who are not Mandalorian don't really know how to work with Beskar, at least. Is that like for, for the most part? There are some, because that's yeah. like. 
That's because, how, like, like the empire so then the spear, melted all down. So like so that spear just came from like the imp, like some like I, I was I was thinking where the spear could have come it, from because like no way someone from this creed made it because it's like they're so against it you know it's like it's meant for armor and not weapons which is like you know I never thought about that before you know like like a a Beskar weapon would pierce, pierce Beskar. Beskar armor and that you know it does make sense why they they would be like against Beskar weapons. I, no, I yeah, it certainly does, but I think it's another thing that's a good example of them probably being, like, this sect of Mandalorians being mm. extremist. And, uh, like, I'd be willing to bet Mandalore has forged Beskar weapons. Mm. These Mandalorians are not with that. Um, uh, at least I, at least that's how I would take that to mean. Uh, I would I would take it to mean, one, I do agree with you. I think that there are some that would have forged, like, Beskar weapons in the past. But I took this as more of, like, a this was just something that the Empire made. Because you have to remember, the Empire did just like just steal all of the Beskar and That's... melted it all down. Oh yeah, the, and it in was the... in the possession of that chick who was the working for Admiral yeah. Thrawn. Yeah, it was she. Yeah, she was working for Thrawn, and the Empire did steal a bunch of Beskar and turn it into you know shiny gold bars, but instead shiny Beskar bars. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it you wouldn't surprise it me turns into, if though. if there was a chance that mm-hmm. that one of them that was make like melting it down was just like you know what. We could probably make like a weapon out of this in case there are right. more Mandalorians out there because some survived. Um, mm. So, yeah, but uh, nevertheless, before that, before the Beskar spear talk, uh, she, the armorer, talks about the songs of the past, prophesizing the rise of the Mythosaur to herald a new age of Mandalore. Uh, she opens the cabinet containing several Beskar sticks, and she continues, you know, but sadly, this is only in Legends, which I think was mm. a little bit of a fourth wall break. Mm. Um, this is only in Legends. Uh, however, wink, wink, I think wink. it's a red herring. Um, I think uh, if, if di- like, and this is, this is interesting because you know, we'll get, we'll get there more later in regards to his having to be banished from this Mandalorian covet and how much that means to him and stuff, but do you think there's any chance, you know, Boba got his rancor. Den gets his mythosaur. Oh. Mm. Heralding the new age of Mandalore alongside a couple of other Mandalorians. It could be pretty mm. fucking cool. Okay. Uh, and, and, and in that, I would say that would happen when he goes to the mines of Mandalore to cleanse himself of the sin he's committed. That's uh, that's fine. what I was gonna say. I feel like that seems like the type of thing where it was like a, oh, you know, the the mines have all been destroyed. He's gonna have to find some new way down to the you know the sacred waters of Mandalore or whatever it was to cleanse himself. And then along the way, he's just gonna find like a fucking mythosaur lair. I, I think that I think that's pretty. I think that's a possibility. But after after all that, you know, they have the discussion of the of the dark saber spear, and I like that immediately. Din's like, ah, okay, that's fine. Go ahead, uh, melt it down, and make some uh, make something for for a family. Uh, oh, that's that's mm. that's not for a second. But uh, you know, the armor puts the Beskar spear on the top of the smelt, and Din takes a seat and asks if she's familiar with Bo-Katan Kreese. And uh, the armorer describes Kreese as a cautionary tale, and. Uh, <laughs> She wanted to rule Mandalore based purely on blood and the Darksaber. She points out that it was gifted to her, not won by Creed, from Sabine Wren to Bo-Katan Kreese. And uh, 
that Kreese was born of a mighty house, but lost sight of the way. She says her rule ended in tragedy, stating that Kreese lost her way while the Mandalorian people lost their home world. Um, hmm. And as she, I was like, yeah, yeah, you know. And I saw, like, it's interesting. Because this, this, this comes back around on the whether or not the armorer is the most reliable narrator. Mm. Uh, because she is an extremist. And what seems to be sort of a holy figure in this, in the cult, the covet that they've, they've developed here. So like. Did she answer to someone to before? The she says, you know, like did, did, there's, there's no way she's like, um, always been this position forever. You know, like they goes back, you know, however many tens of thousands of years. So like, obviously like she might just not know. Like this might just be all she knows, right? Um, and like she, she like that is legitimately the truth to her, because like that's all she knows. Um, right. But it is interesting because like we don't, we shouldn't really trust anything that she says, you know. Like uh, Colton, when have you know religious, uh, you know, <laughs> extremists, the leader of those groups, when have they ever been known to lie, dude? Ever, right. never. No. Never. Never. Right. So that's why, like, why would yeah, you, actually, what, what incentive trust, does she have to lie? everything she says. Just accept it's it, face up. value, be happy about it. Mm-hmm. But, but nevertheless, you know, as the, <laughs> as the spears uh, melted down, she goes, she goes into her story, you know, she says, had their sect not been cloistered on the moon of Concordia, which is a nice little, if you've watched the Clone Wars, you're really getting fulfillment out of this. Mm. Like, if you're a prequel trilogy fan, frankly, and everything that the ancillary material that comes with the prequel trilogy, like the Clone Wars and stuff, uh, you fucking loved this episode. Uh, this was a prequel fan's wet dream in terms of the way that it met the uh, original trilogy elements and the sort of things that we see mm. in that era. But uh, nevertheless, the mention of Concordia there is what, what sparked that for me, but says that they wouldn't have survived the Great Purge if not for that. And uh, In a flashback scene, she remembers bombers bombing the cities of Mandalore with atomic weapons and the armor says that uh, those born of Mandalore strayed from the path uh, and eventually the Imperial interlopers destroyed all that they knew and loved in the night of a thousand tears uh, they destroyed uh, the whole capital and scour the ruins for survivors and the armor says that only those who walked the way escaped the curse prophesied in the creed Though their numbers were scattered to the winds, she opines that their adherence to the way has preserved their legacy for the generations. Which... Until they can return to their home world. Now, could that be, like, her just saying, like, uh, we've just stayed smart and that's why we've stayed alive this whole time? Like, it is our precautions that we take that's kept us alive, you know? Is that what she's saying or is or is she saying, like... uh? Only because we don't show our face and we no do I, because of like, the way because mm. of the religion we follow that's mm. why we survived mm. um, and you know that's like that's a big part of faith you know like that's that's something something that you're gonna think like no matter what it is it's a product of your like not no matter what but it's a it's a product of of the Almighty mm. and uh, since they followed the way you know they're being granted their lives in this situation of in in the armorer's mind. Mm. Uh, but the armorer asks, you know, what would you like me to forge? And Din says, something for a foundling. 
the armor goes, yeah, this is the way. Good for you, buddy. Uh, <laughs> and Din's like, for a specific foundling, Grogu. And you're like, ah, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> it's fucking time, baby. Mm. And the armorer goes, you know, Grogu's no longer in your care. He's back with his kind. And Din's like, well, I, I want to check on him. Make sure he's safe. I want, I want to see him. Mm. Make sure he's safe. And I was like, yeah, you do, buddy. You miss your little guy. You miss your little guy. Just say it. You know it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, the armor tells him, you know, the Jedi must forego all attachment in order to master the ways of the Force. And Din's like, but that's the opposite of our creed. Ours is loyalty and solidarity. And the armorer is like, you know what? Touche. What should I forge the, the foundling <laughs> Grogu? Uh, and she melts and beats the shit out of the Beskar into link chains. And uh, <laughs> I like to imagine that these little rings end up going all the way around his fucking ears. Yeah, I was wondering, like, is it like a chainmail sort of armor that they're giving? Like, is that what they're going for? Or like, oh, that's I, the thing, I because like, it'll have to be condensed somehow because that's a little dude. Yeah, and that um, was a lot of Beskar. And like, there's also the fact that maybe he's not getting forged a, a necessarily armor, uh, but I mean, and you know, this is this is kind of weird because you know the whole Jedi training thing. Part of it is forging your lightsaber, uh, but I could see Din being the the supportive dad who doesn't know better. Who mm. goes ahead and makes the hilt for? Got you your lightsaber already, buddy. Here I'm passing. Yeah. I'm, I'm and pumping Luke's like, you get up. Get shit out of here! What the, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, but huh. I didn't think about that. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Nevertheless, though, he, he makes something for Grogu, and uh, I really, I really fuck with the fact that we're getting Even we're getting something for Grogu and Beskar. The little bag the little was shaped like his head, dude. Ears. Come on! And he looked at it. He just held it, and he was like. This is for Grogu. It looks like him already. Like it was. Oh, so it's basically a rule from now on. If you're getting a present for someone, the wrapping needs to be in the shape of their head. Yes. Interesting. Hmm. New rule just just dropped. Yep. New, new rule just dropped. New uh, book of Boba Fett, chapter five, Return <laughs> of the Mandalorian. All all gifts must be wrapped in the way of the of the shape of the head of the person you're gifting. This it to. is the way. Such is um, the way of things, Colton. Just because of the fact that I know you um, are on Star Wars Twitter just as much about just about as much as I am, did you see the thing um, with Grogu with all of his ears pierced with the little metal <laughs> rings? <laughs> that shit was hilarious. It. Yes, <laughs> yes, that shit was outstanding. But uh, nevertheless, after that, later on, the armor practices sword fighting with Din, uh, who wields the dark saber, and she's she's speaking the Mandalorian native language to him, uh, which. You know, it's interesting, like, whether Din understands the Mandalorian native <laughs> language or, you know, like, these are sword fighting technique He's words, like, you know. I say this, yeah, you do okay. this. I say this, you do this. Yeah. yeah you, I don't know. I, I so it's kind of cool that they all know. You Man, know, they're extremist enough to where they would force it, to learn the language, you know. like I'm, I'm thinking it's a little bit of both. Like, it's a – both he understands it and it also might just be like a like, – like what they use to practice. They just – speak in that language right but because of the fact that you mentioned it colton all i can imagine is like the image of like i don't know why but it comes to mind of the like like hispanic mother just like yelling at her kids in spanish it, like whenever they do something wrong just like screaming at them in spanish <laughs> and that's all i can picture is that is that he's like is that he's the armor just like yelling in a foreign at language yeah, just like yelling at Din, like she's like angry at him to the extent of like I'm so angry I'm going back Pussy to boy, my main language. Asshole, 
It's Fuck made what? out of light. You're swinging that awful slow over there, man. You suck. Come on, get better. Like, I mean, cool. But clarification. I, I am gonna right? I am gonna point out here. You know, he's getting he's getting trained by the armorer here, uh, but not for long. Mm. Mm. True. He's gonna go visit a little little friend. Who who with his little friend hmm. knows how to use a lightsaber? Swings it pretty well too. Pretty light and quick. Luke fucking Skywalker might train Din Djarin in the ways of the dark saber. And they kind of foreshadowed I... it in like the conversation. Like, uh, I don't know. Like the armor said something like, "You you can't learn unless you." I don't like. She was. They were just. A lot of little things she was saying where it's like, yeah. he's fighting towards, like, blade, he's going to it. train. You know, like, this is just the very beginning of his yeah. training. I, like, I almost think, I, I love the idea of him learning from Luke, but I also would love the idea of him learning from, like, an Ezra. I, or, like, or a Sabine, Sabine, just, because of, the fa- just yeah. because of the fact that they both, like, were forced to, like, learn, you know, how to use a lightsaber whenever they were older. To, and, like, well, I guess not with Ezra, because Luke and Ezra were pretty similar, but more of, like, the Sabine... Like someone who doesn't know the force, someone who's like forced to like, True. you know, fight using it without actually knowing how to like fight with it instead of against it type thing. I think that could be a pretty cool thing. Of, I'm know. with you. I'm with you. I can see that for sure. And, and like Sabine Wren personally makes the most sense to me as the person who would train Din to wield the dark saber. Uh, in terms of like, uh, like ability to actually get them back in the show, uh, like. A whole yeah. other thing with Luke Skywalker cha- ch- training Din, like I just don't see that happening. And I, yeah, that's, you know, okay. I also didn't see him showing up in the end of season two of The Mandalorian. So like, you know, I won't, I won't believe it until it happens. But like, that, the that's only the, way that... I see Luke training Din is if Din and Grogu are so inseparable that he has to stay there, and he just becomes like this honorary jedi to where he picks up on enough things and then he's like trying to do some force stuff on his own one day and then he gets it and he's like luke like i know you're not supposed to teach me i know i'm way too old but look and then he like shows grogu first and has this cute moment like that's what i thought like in like in my head i'm like no way luke's in a train den like no way he's becoming a jedi you know but then mentioning the first mandalorian to wield the dark saber and to be a jedi you know like uh I, I think I think I see like I, honorary I, Jedi. I see happening who, like not full blown master, but like yeah, who was in charge of uh, Rebels? Uh, Dave Filoni was like the head guy, but he wasn't like writing every episode. Well, I know, but I was just gonna say like I feel like they could do like a very like parallel with Rebels. How they had in there it was you know as while Ezra was learning to use a lightsaber. Um, I can't remember the the uh, what was the Jedi's name? Kan- yeah, Kanan was also teaching. Sabine how to use the dark saber and they were like training at the same time I could very much see something like that happening where he where Din you know decides to bring the his little baggie of uh chain mail to Grogu um and whenever he gets there Luke decides to try and teach both of them at the same time is Kylo gonna be there yeah that's that's another thing people haven't like I've seen a little bit about but haven't really been harping on a potentiality of a young Ben Solo Mm. Uh, yeah sorry not kylo yet ben yeah but uh i love i i I don't know if you guys talked about it earlier because i did walk away did you guys talk about like the idea of that being like the little armor little uh, chain chain mail mail thing being the same thing that could save him like saving grogu 
Oh, oh yeah, my god! Be wearing Beskar. Oh, you guys okay, didn't. Okay, wait, wait. I'm happy I mentioned something because <laughs> that's still like is a defense. Okay, no, I guess he would be training, so he's not defenseless any longer. You know, yeah. like uh, well, but like my thought is, do you remember? Um, have you guys seen hmm. Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Well, the where first he gets one. the or the the where he get um. I think Frodo I know it gets, gets the uh like the mithril armor mm-hmm. and that mm. protects him and like no one knows that he has it this mm. could be like hey no one knows that grogu has like a fucking beskar you know chainmail suit on underneath and then mm. maybe what try you know kylo, so kylo like, tries to kylo takes grogu. like a fucking swipe at his side and grogu just like hops on for the fucking ride and like just oh see i wasn't thinking that i was more thinking like kylo like tries to kill him in his you know moment of anger where he turns to the dark side thinks he's killed him moves on yeah and then we find out later on like oh no he wasn't dead because he had this gift from den it protected him and then he ended up surviving because of it now this is assuming they don't go we need grogu in season three of the mandalorian that's assuming that yes but I'm, i was just like my first thought whenever i saw the little chain mail um uh best car thing my first thought was the like lord of the rings like mm. you know this could be what what saves grogu I, and yeah you know that's that absolutely could be what saves grogu that hadn't even occurred to me i'm glad you said something but uh yeah that's mm. that's a really good idea but you know then throughout this training he takes a little fall uh, and the little noise he makes where he goes Hoo! and falls over the edge is hilarious uh she he jet pats back up and she tells him he's fighting against the blade and he's like, well, this shit gets heavier every fucking minute. Uh, yeah, you're fighting against the blade. Uh, she says that he should be fighting his opponent, not the blade. Tells him to stand up, and then rises to his feet and continues to fight the armor. Knocks him on his helmet, fights back with her tools, and uh, when she gains the upper hand, then says, you know, or she says, you know, he's too weak to fight against the dark saber. Don't fight against it, you'll lose. Uh, you can't c- control your strength. And Din wants to try again, but the armor warns that persistence without insight will lead to the same outcome. Mm. What a quote here. Like, uh, although from a cult leader, pretty much, but... Uh, no, like, this is a pretty good, like, you know, you keep trying the same Jedi thing without... This is a Jedi quote right here. Yeah. Like... I, I got some, like, there were moments in this episode where I was like... What the armorer know about it? Mm. I know. She she seemed to have a vast knowledge. She, like, she also knew quite a bit in the with like Grogu whenever they first popped up. She was like, "Hey, he's a fucking Jedi, dude." And I mean, <laughs> I don't I don't know how well she knows Din's voice or anything. Uh, she never turns around and knows Din's there. What do you mean? Like whenever he shows up. She's staring off into the the void of space. Oh. He drops to his knees and she's like, tend to him. So you're saying like, uh, what if, what if maybe she's a little, you know, a little in touch, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe a little in touch with the force. And you're saying like, how, how the fuck does she know that he's behind him and is, and is hurt? And she's I mean, just she like, heard him, but like, to him. yeah, you're or... saying like, what if she's a little bit more in touch she with the meditating. force than what people realize? Now, guys, or maybe nobody knows about the secret location except three people. He doesn't That's know about, about the like, secret. They don't know that he knows, though. 
Mm-hmm. He but found out he's from getting like, the information from someone, and I would assume if anyone is looking on information on where their secret base is, that would be pertinent information. Okay, like, that's fair. Um, that's fair. But this other way is a lot more fun, though. Like she is sitting out, looking at the stars, oh, meditating. Uh, yeah, but like, but also she. The first thing that uh, that uh, what what is it? Paz Vizsla. Is that what yeah. she says? Name is mm-hmm. first thing that he says to him is like, "Oh, we didn't think we'd ever see you again." So they clearly didn't know that he would like if they if they knew that he was coming they would be expecting him. His first words were, "I didn't think I'd ever see you again." But like Joseph said, if anybody was to find them and pop up in there, it would be him. That's true. That's true. You know what? We'll write it off to that for now because I don't think they're going the route that the armor is. You know, in touch with Joseph, the force, I'm but... so disappointed in you. Normally, this is like perfect. You know, Joseph. You know, I'm gonna grab onto this and you know, full full. Uh, He's seen some growth, man. He's seen some growth yeah. over the over the I'm last so year of pods. I mean, I still got some some stuff. In the you got some wacky shit. Of... <laughs> I mean, I still got I still got some. No, I mean, he says the, uh... he says some out of pocket wacky shit every now and then, <laughs> but not nearly to the episodic basis that he once upon a time yeah. was spitting some oh, oh, crazy. Yeah, shit. well, I know that, but that's just why I'm like, I figured it, as soon as you said, you know potential uh you know armor could be force inclined i figured that would be just that's that's right key. on the money for him joseph would key in on that immediately and go yes <laughs> this is now everything but uh nevertheless uh you know paz comes around a corner and is like huh maybe the blade belongs to someone else then huh you know this this shit was forged by my ancestor founder of house Vizla. i'm gonna go huh? ahead and fuck on you right quick he said, oh, maybe you just suck with the sword and I should have it. Then he picks it up and he's having a tougher time than Din was. He's like, um, Like, I fucking, like, fuck you, dude. But also, it's pretty funny to just walk over and be like, huh, maybe you shouldn't have the sword, bitch. Yeah, he's like, I've been watching you from over there and that was bad. He was um, just waiting. He was waiting to come in. He knew he was going to challenge him. He just had you know, to wait you know to come is? in at a time where he could say a line, you know? Yeah, and, and he was also tiring himself out and everything, you mm-hmm. know? Like, this is the equivalent of the, like, hard shit talker that's, like, sitting there being like, man, you fucking suck at this, dude. Like, figure it out. Like, here, let me show you how it's done. And then just is terrible at it, like, immediately. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. I love that, you know, Paz goes, the sword was forged by my ancestor. And then goes, it belongs to me. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, all right, tell him, Din. Because, like, until that point, we don't have any confirmation that this dude wants this saber. Mm. This is the line that makes you go, oh, he wants the saber. He, It belongs to me now. Yeah, mm-hmm. before that, it, I, 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 I was kind of thinking, like, oh, is he just using this as, like, a tool for now? Or is he, you know, like, actually, like, attached to this? And then, yeah, he had that line of, you know, this was forged by my ancestor. And he was like, well, your ancestor doesn't have any more bitch. And I was like, oh, okay. So he's, this is, this is his weapon. Now this yeah. is his mm. new, um, like this is the, like what sets him apart now. I love it. I love it. But, and I, I love the line earlier whenever, you know, she takes the best car spear from him and it's like the dark saber is a much more noble weapon for you to yield anyway. You know, like, mm. You don't need you don't need the fucking Beskar spear, but could, mm. could you imagine if she like took the Beskar spear from him and was like the the, the dark saber is much better for you, and then he just lost it fifteen minutes later, <laughs> and he's like, great, now I don't have the dark saber or the Beskar spear. I'm like spear. God damn it, I'll go fuck God myself. Damn it, armorer. But uh, you know, he says it now belongs to me, and Viz was like, because you won it in combat, and it's like, yeah, 
And then, <laughs> yeah, uh, I did. Yeah, Mist was <laughs> like, and now I'll win it from you. And, uh, you know, the armor is like, you accept this duel, motherfucker? And Din's like, yeah. And, you know, they face off in real Western face to face, set down the jetpack, take everything off. I was like, wait a minute. You're telling me all this motherfucker needs to do to win is throw him off the side? That's crazy. Um, yeah, they're noble enough to. Well, you know, yeah. and also if he's holding the dark saber and you throw him off, you know, like you lose the dark saber too. There's no win in there. Damn, man, that's just yeah. out there in space. Yeah, I guess know, they got it. That'd be interesting. You know, who, who where's it end <laughs> up then? But uh, <laughs> Din unsheathes the dark saber while Vizsla wields a dagger and an energy shield. And the little shot that we got of Din is like a perfect mirror of a shot we got of Sabine Wren in training, which I thought mm. was perfect. Uh, but you know, Vizsla attacks Din first, bashing him with his weapons and. Din fights back and quickly destroys the uh, vibro blade, and uh, but despite losing his weapons, Paz has a little bit of a uh, muscle on Din, just a little bit bigger, if you hadn't noticed. And uh, he he throws his ass all over the place, keeps throwing his head against that fucking wall, picks up the uh, saber, and is like, "This it is fate that has brought this blade back to my clan, mm. and now it will end you." Uh, but, you know, because he's so big and slow, he uh, he's very easily able to dodge. And he just kind of cuts him up real nice and Yelena Belova-like in the Black Widow. Um, but, you know, he, he ultimately gains the upper hand, has the knife at his throat, and the armor's like, all right, that's it, that's it. I don't need anyone else dying out here. Uh, she would then be the only one left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's like, all right, that's it. And as soon as she goes, Paz Vizsla, have you ever removed your helmet? I went, Fuck! <laughs> and you know, Vizla's like, you know what? This shows this shows even more. This bitch, this bitch has the force. No chance, no chance. She just immediately is gonna be like, "Have you ever removed your helmet?" All right, now, Den, have you ever removed yeah, your helmet? Like, I thought this was an bitch. interesting time. Like, is this just how we end duels? <laughs> there, yeah, we ended the duel. Now, solidarity check. Have you ever removed your helmet? You have. Leave. <laughs> yeah, I love that. You know, he's like. He's like, no. Has it ever been removed by others? No. And uh, this is the way. Din Djarin, have you ever removed your helmet? The silence was awkward, man. And she's <laughs> like, have you ever removed the helmet? By creed, you must vow. He releases Paz Vizsla and he's like, yeah, I have. <laughs> the armor's like, then you are a Mandalorian no longer. And he's like, please... Please, how can I atone? And, uh, leave apostate. Mm. And, uh, according to Creed, one can only be redeemed in the living waters beneath the mines of Mandalore. And I was like, well, that's a setup line if I've ever heard yeah. a fucking setup line. Can I just say, excellent fucking use of apostate. Right. Just was not expecting for him to be called an apostate. Like, one, wasn't expecting to see him in this episode anyway, but was not expecting for to see Din ever get called a fucking apostate. Right. Fucking, he goes, leave apostate and i was like all right all, all right. right i see we got I some vocab the out here in the universe but uh <laughs> okay you didn't call it like jizzpostate or something stupid right <laughs> <laughs> you know but she says according to creed one can only be redeemed in the living waters beneath the mines of mandalore and then's like but the mines have been destroyed and the armor's like yeah too bad so fucking sad buddy this is the way sounds like a you problem yeah exactly mm -hmm. and then's like all right fine um i'm a dip uh, he, he leaves with the dark saber and Grogu shit, and uh, he exits through the hatch he came earlier, and with with the armor's back literally turned to him. Uh, like one can only get so far without a tribe, 
and uh, his tribe has just turned his back on him. And, mm. uh, but you know, he makes his way to a spaceport where uh, he's about to board a flight to Tatooine. And Droid tells him there are no weapons permitted aboard the flight. And I like, I like that, like, immediately. The last thing he heard was, you are no longer a Mandalorian. And he goes, fuck that. I'm a Mandalorian. Weapons are a mm. part of my, like, the fact that these words, like, I, I don't even think, like, the reason there's part of me that goes, okay, you know, the living waters beneath the mines of Mandalore, like, that might be a setup line. The part of it that makes me go, maybe not, is the fact that Din couldn't give less of a fuck about what the armorer thinks anymore, I don't think. Like, I think he's like, y'all are kicking me out of here for taking off my helmet? That's not mm. the way. Like, I know that can't be the way. You know what I'm saying? See, but I also think, like, that's why he's like, no, I'm still a fucking Mandalorian, and I'm going to prove to you that I'm still a Mandalorian. I don't give uh, a fuck what you think, but I'm going to make you realize that I'm still a Mandalorian. Regardless, I could also see that. Regardless of your stupid fucking, you know, th this is the way. I cannot remove my helmet, even in front of, you know, a little baby baby Yoda creature. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe, th maybe that's the case as well. But uh, the droid's like, no weapons allowed. And uh, he suggests, you know that didn't speak with his uh, supervisor who can come, who can book him on tomorrow's flight. And he's like, ah, fine. And I love the fact we take what is essentially the star Wars equivalent of like, m like Mjolnir or like the infinity gauntlet. And we just throw it in baggage claim. Yeah. Uh, I, as soon I, as I, I saw this, I was like, fuck, this is going to be a problem. And then it absolutely oh, yeah. wasn't a problem. They were like, I thought I was I was the exact – as soon as you said, like, I know exactly what's in there. I'll know if anything's missing. I was like, the fucking Darksaber is going to get stolen. It's going to go missing. Mm -hmm. Like, what? why the fuck is this – like, why is this the storyline? And then it didn't happen, and I was like oh, – Okay, cool, well, cool. Why the fuck oh, did no. we need that scene then? <laughs> it was because he put all of his weapons in there right away, but then he held the Darksaber, looked at yeah. it, and was like – Well, I, I think – All right, scene... I know everything that's in there. That is what he cared about. Like yeah, that, I like, think that scene was a setup, one, to show the importance, like, how the Darksaber is now important to him, and also as a setup for him to just be like, no, nah, fuck you, I'm still a Mandalorian. And also, this an is my like, a classic example of fucking Din's weird trust in people. Mm. Like, the way he would just, like, leave Grogu with randos. Like, yeah. you know what, you're probably cool. <laughs> I need you to watch yeah, it for a little bit. You don't seem too bad. Uh, I Also, this, well, there are... I'm trying to think there are comparable scenes in like other movies, but where like the main guy, they're just like, Oh, give us all your weapons. And he just, you, you have like, what should be like a, a one second scene where he's like, all right, oh, yeah, here's the dark saber. Five minutes. Instead it's like everything. five minutes. Oh, no, oh, I forgot my, forgot my, uh, my sock knife. Oh, yeah. Forgot my, my shoe missile. And it's like, exactly. like at what point do you have enough weapons? My man, <laughs> you I have a dark saber. What more do you need? And I love, I love that. Like we've never gotten this, you know, star Wars airports. Uh, which is just which is just awesome, but you, you know, know the... this just this just goes to show you even the people in Star Wars have to deal with TSA as well. Exactly, but and uh, they fucking hate them too. <laughs> you know the the airplane leaves and Din Djarin rests in the passenger lounge while looking out a window, and an astromech droids whist whistles past, and in front of him he sees a little green Rodian child with big black eyes in the seat in front of him and waves at him, and you know Din's looking at him like man. Fuck, bro! I miss my little green dude. I uh, once the, had a green dude. Yeah, but the the child's mom tells him to leave leave the leave the guy alone. And Din looks down at the the cloth containing Grogu's shit, 
and uh, it's shaped like Grogu, and it's like, <laughs> you just know he was crying. Oh, Miles dipped. Oh, oh no, Tillman. Tillman. Tillman dipped. Yeah, I'm sorry, that good. confused me. Your your name yeah. in there being Tillman McClooney. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It was because uh, he changed my name, his name to Miles, uh, Buttfuck Buttress. Yeah, I know. I noticed um, that. I noticed as much yeah. at some point. But uh, yeah, nevertheless, he's, he's coming. He's coming back. I figured we persist. Uh, but the passenger liner lands at uh, Moss Eisley on Tatooine, and several passengers disembark. And you know, uh, one of the droids welcomes him to Tatooine. He gets his luggage, and all is good. And uh, we head to Palimoto's hangar, where we run into a BD unit. Which I was mm. like, fuck yes, fuck yes, and uh, they all they all chase down a womp rat who's who's gotten a hold of the BD unit, and she starts shooting about it, and and uh, it's just it's just real funny because uh, she closes in on the womp rat, grabs her, drags her away. This whole this whole scene's just funny, and mm. Din Din shoots the creature dead, and Pelly's like, you know how to make an entrance, and like that's the most true shit I've ever heard. This man's the most badass Star Wars enterer of anything. The way he can come into a scene, he just dominates the shit immediately. Hold on, he's not the no, he's the second most badass. Vader, no. Uh, I've what the fuck is her name? Oh, can't be her. She shows up later on in this. You know, oh, Fennec Shand. The, yeah, Fennec Shand. <laughs> she does have some pretty awesome opening lines. I'll give her that. Like, she knows the first thing to say. No, yeah. I'm just I'm just saying because like he had the badass scene and you know entrance scene in this episode and then it's like oh you thought your you thought your entrance was badass wrong <laughs> check mm. me out I'm up here <laughs> but you uh, thought I was locked out I'm actually uh, nevertheless <laughs> she asked Din if he's here to slay a dragon and Din's like nah I received your message that you found a replacement for the Razor Crest and Pelly confirms that she has found a ship uh, stating you know that's what she does. She asks if he has cash, which he's like, yep. She counts the money, tells the droids to make themselves useful, and she's like, so what about your little unlikely companion? And uh, Din's like, I returned him to his own kind. I'm in pain. Mm. I'm suffering. <laughs> I need help. And uh, Pelly's like, ah, man, that's a shame. You could have made a gold mine off the kid. Uh, you could have opened a petting zoo with that thing. A little fourth wall break there. You know, yeah, a little, for sure. little, like, we for know. Sure. <laughs> She created uh, Grogu capitalism in universe, mm. but uh, <laughs> Pelly leads Din to the hangar where a starship is covered under a, a tarp, and she removes it to reveal a modified N one starfighter. And I was like, "Oh, oh fuck! If Din's gonna be piloting some shit I watched in the Phantom Menace and at the beginning of like Attack of the Clones, like, oh my god, it's uh, Anakin's. I'm just yeah. accepting it now. That oh yeah, I mean, like head cannon can be whatever Anakin... you want. You know, this is Anakin's." Um, I, it's, it's definitely his, it's on Tatooine. Um, why else, who else is, you know, why not? Why make it nobody's you might as well make it Anakin's. I mean, uh, I think, uh, I think there's a good chance, you know, we see him fly this thing over to Luke's Luke's Academy for, uh, to pick up Grogu and, you know, Luke walks up and has a little force vision of, uh, of, you know, little, little, little Anakin or, you know. Padme How involved even. is Mark Hamill, like in the future of of they everything. they don't seem to be shying away from the fact that Luke's like the fact that they sent Grogu off with Luke Skywalker at all feels like something you got to pick up on. Like, I don't see how. Oh, you know. maybe it's just uh, maybe he does leave the temple, and that that's how like Grogu wasn't there during the whole Kylo thing, so that's how it makes sense. And then like Ahsoka just trains him. 
you know, like tells, you know, just runs him through the ropes, tells him all the, the essentials, you know, we're not going to do any of this Jedi bull crap, you know, that I was forced to do, you know, like, I think I Ahsoka say, would be a, a really cool trainer, like a, an unofficial master, you know? Uh, yeah, for sure. There that, is, that there is cool, something but... interesting about the next episode. Who else would have a force vision with that ship, dude? Who else has a connection to that guy? Yeah, oh so my, like us. Oh, di- oh my God! Come on. Oh, any way they go, it's beautiful. And I mean, like you know, you know, there's there's someone pretty important in terms of like what we can kind of expect of story content rumored to be directing next week. Uh, in in our in our man's Dave Filoni. Okay, I was gonna say I think you're gonna need to tell us who it is because I don't think either of us know who it is. But you know, Dave Filoni often deals with Ahsoka, typically. Uh, but you know, he probably wouldn't shy away from the opportunity to do some Jedi shit. But uh, it's interesting because you know, where do we pick up? Like, are we are we following Din, or mm. is that going to be an off screen thing that we don't see until season three of The Mandalorian, and he just goes ahead and rolls with Boba? for the beginning of the next episode. The fact that this last episode ended with, I got to go see a little friend implies to me, we're going to go, we're going to see him visit the little friend. I, in, I was going to say, I think, I, I think we see him lead. Like, I think we see him, you know, help Boba. I think we see that happen. And then I think we see him leave to go see Grogu. Yeah. Wait, but I don't think say... we actually see he him. He says go first. See- Oh, oh, he really? says first. Yeah, first I need to go see a little friend. Hmm. And like, so I'm like, this grants more credence to the idea that Miles had last week for me, and that that will be an off-screen thing, and then he'll swoop in at a point and fuck shit up. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Because I was gonna say I I can't imagine like as much as I would love for us to for them to show us you know him. Going it'd be to too Google, much. Like we it need would, more. It Bobo. would be too much, and it Bobo. wouldn't be it wouldn't be Boba Fett. I'm watching this like. I love this episode, like probably my favorite episode, but it's not a book of Boba Fett episode. Yeah, it's it the was Mandalorian Mandal- two point five. Yeah, yeah, it was the Mandalorian starring in the book of Boba Fett. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like we just, I feel like there's, especially with the whole thing that you said earlier about the seven episode thing. I feel like the, you know, all, the six episodes are going to be book of Boba Fett, whereas that one episode was like a here's oh, a recap. And I think it's, I think yeah. it's important, you know, that like people kind of understand that about this. I saw someone like be like why are people so mad you know like boba ahsoka all these all these people came into the mandalorian and stole an episode and it's like sure the mandalorian was in those episodes though boba Mm. didn't even make an appearance here which is just like that's the most mind-blowing thing that like he didn't even get a flash to him or anything like it's like all right like that's a little bit of a boss though you know he's getting big you know like he, he can't just be out and about like and that's that's important you know but um yeah, yeah, you know, fuck it. I'm cool with it. You know, I really enjoyed it. So, uh, but Den asks, you know, where's the fucking Razor Crest? Pelly's like, ah, I didn't say that. Yeah. I said I had a replacement he, for it. He was, he is so fucking disappointed by this thing. And she's like, like motherfucker, what the, what the look fuck at this kind thing. of trash are you trying to sell me right now? <laughs> and she's like, no, wait, this is an N1 Starfighter, handmade from the Nab for the Naboo Royal Guard and commissioned personally by the Queen of Naboo. And, uh, you know, Den's like, you know, this is a piece of fucking shit. And uh, Den's like, give me my fucking money back. And Billy's like, all right, no skin off my dip swap. Uh, tells the droids to, you know, bring Den his money. And while waiting, Pelly's like, all right, let me give you the little sell, though. Uh, 
She was still working on the ship when Din arrived. Didn't think you'd be here so early. Uh, she discovers a nest of scurriers along the way. She tells him, you know, he's, she's got all the parts. She's, they just have to go in their place. And, you know, it's hard building a ship from the time of the Galactic Republic and offers to incorporate some custom modifications that'll make the ship faster. And, you know, she tells Din that it's also made pre-Empire, so it's off the grid. And she adds that the N1 cruiser can also jump into hyperspace without a docking ring and convinces Din to let her put the ship together before he makes a decision to cancel the purchase. And I was like, all right. And uh, Kind of an OP ship for a bounty hunter. Here. Oh, it's unfair. Like, uh, uh, we see, an we OP see it ship for anyone. Yeah, that's that's a fact. Din's gonna be pushing P in that thing. But later on, Din, Din works with the BD unit to restore the N1 Starfighter. Thanks, little guy. Mm. Uh, Where does this part go? The 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 <laughs> character development from mm. no droids to thanks, little guy. I love it. I love it. But uh, the droid shines the light under the undercarriage of the ship, and it keeps moving because it's a fucking BD unit, and they can't sit still. But uh, Pelly returns with a turbonic Venturi power assimilator. Which, uh, which she says will make the ship the fastest in the Outer Rim Territories. And Din's the like, Jawas the just had that? Yeah, <laughs> where the fuck did you get this? And Pelly replies, you know, I got it from the Jawas. And Din asks, you know, where could they get this from? And Pelly's like, well, you know, Tatooine is a guardian of many bounties. Uh, I gave him a list. Din's like, what the fuck? They just, like, go looking for the shit? And she's like, oh, you know, I have a don't ask, don't tell. In return, I let them pick through my dumpster. I'm like, is that what they're calling it now? Mm. Um <laughs> 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 oh my god i didn't even oh my god I, no i thought the same whenever she was like well you know i used to date a jawa oh they're my really god. hairy and the fact that she kept saying over and over, over again like no but they're, they're like really hairy though oh like my god. no really she said hairy. furry which implies no, furry. to me the jawas are getting dressed up as banthas and doing it <laughs> no but like it was the fact that she continued to be like no but like no no king really shaman here by furry. the way no respect furry, if you like though. if you like to be a furry um, I, I'm I, too like, innocent. Like she, taken through the dumpster, I did not even like. I I I just yeah. took it completely literal. Like I, I think I think it uh, is completely literal. It, but uh, it's literal. like it's like I a kid it, show, you know, where yeah. it is. But like they put it in there to where yeah, it could be you, one of those like little like any windows. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because oh, I, man, that's Colton, awesome. I kind of was thinking the same thing after she said, but they're really furry for like uh, the fifth time, yeah. and I was like, you know what, I. I I don't know why she keeps specifying this, but maybe they're getting up to some weird stuff. Maybe she's into some freaky things. Right, right. And also, interestingly enough, this uh, this this power this piece here, the Turbonic Venturi Power Assimilator. Did it look familiar at all? I was. Th- I they put way too much emphasis on this for it not to be something, and I haven't figured it out. It was what Han was holding on to to hold the garbage the garbage uh, trash compactor apart. Really? Uh, yes. So wow, love That's love that little pull cut. through. That's yeah. awesome. But uh, Pelly introduces Din to her Jawa associates, and Din asks if he gets if he gets them a list of parts, will they help him? And Pelly's like, uh, "All right, let me speak Jawaese to them real quick." And you know, I love that Pelly's just a, a jack of all trades with the tongue, man. She's she knows the languages. She could she spoke frog in season two. Uh, she's just really out here. I'm so glad they brought her back. I don't, I don't like, like the way that you said jack of all trades with with the tongue. That just after what we were talking about, that just I just didn't like the way you said hey, that. We don't know. <laughs> it seems hey, like it. If she's dating a Jawa, 
And clearly with how much she was talking about how furry they are. She was no probably shame. a little bit of hair no stuck shame. in no some shame. places. You fuck with Jawas, you fuck with Jawas. I was like, Kyler's gotta be pissed. <laughs> Kyler was <laughs> human. The Jawas uh, fucking now? Damn, Kyler <laughs> is pissed. He's so but, uh, pissed. She tells Den to make a wish list and the Jawas will see what's available. And Den replies that he's looking for mainly Bolton after market speed modifications. Uh, since the Starship is hand-built, he reasons that they'll probably need a vintage hyperware that can fit this antique ship. And Pelly's like, oh, listen to you, listen to you, nah, nah, just give you the parts and I'll make it fucking work. And uh, she's like, what do you think? I dated a Jawa, you know, I know what I'm doing. And she sends the Jawas to go find the parts and Pelly and Den continue to work on the ship while the pit droids help with the refurbishment. But uh, while working on the ship, they they chat a little bit and she mentions that she's never even been off world. You know, she's a local gal. And I'm like, okay, well, next season she's of The Mandalorian. really getting off world. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Next season of The Mandalorian, we're seeing Pelly go somewhere else. Uh. And then observes that their uh, their vapor manifold is missing, and she's like, "Ah, don't worry, you won't need it." And, this know, conversation she, right here, oh my god! She's like, like this next string of words. Yeah, I fabricated I the intake charger to ensure that it doubles his output coefficient. And then replies, "You know, it'll blow the shaft out of my motivator block." And Billy's like, uh, "I'm reinforcing the compression housing." Which <laughs> you ship him? Yeah. She shows no. how uh, you shows them how to access it by pressing that red button. No, They're so cute together. Gone. Din's going back to that one planet. He's going to get some, uh, he's going to that one planet for that one woman. Here's my thing. Mm. This is not a ship that you live in. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, what are you going to do with your bounty? He doesn't have a houseboat like... anymore. He doesn't have yeah. space at all. Like that. This to me means, you know, there ain't a bounty coming in that's not cold from now on, A. Uh, and also, him and Grogu are going to have to find a way to, to have like a base of operations where they can like kind of go back to. Yeah. Um, hmm. and Amara or Obara or whatever her name was back in season one, uh, episode four, Sanctuary, also directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, the director of this episode. Uh, I think that's as good a place as any. That seems to be where they've been happiest and stuff. But uh, Pelly uses a, a power droid to help charge up the ship and then thanks the BD unit for his help. You know, thanks, little guy. And Pelly asks if Dan is interested in how she got the N1 ship prompting him to reply that uh, he's interested in a ship similar to the Razor Crest. Uh, and Pelly's like, ah, fucking Razor Crest. You're always talking about the fucking Razor Crest. Razor Crest, Razor Crest. And, but what, as they work together, Din and Pelly and the droids begin uh, covering the N1's hole, and the Jawas return with a uh, cryogenic density combustion booster. And I actually think this might be the tool that that uh, they used in for the trash. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yes. So, okay, okay. Yeah. That makes more sense. Yeah, the cryogenic density combustion booster is what that was. And Din's like, uh, where did they get this? And Pelly's like, do you really want to ask? And I like the way he's like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, sure, why not? And uh, Jaw was explained, you know, that they stole it from a Pike Spice Runner that was refueling. And I was like, oh, shit. I'm watching the Book of Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. um, as soon as they mentioned the Pikes, I was like, oh, that's right. Um, and then, you know, Din <laughs> thinks that... Uh, this was a gutsy move given the fearsome represent the reputation of the Pikes. And Pelly tells Din, you know, the Pikes control the spice trade and rule Tatooine through terror. Uh, even law enforcement are afraid of them. And Din thanks the Jawas and pays them. Pelly thinks Din is spoiling them uh, before. I love stone. how, like, she just gave, like, the, the public opinion, you know, and, like, right. how everyone's going to love Boba whenever he takes over. Basically. Yeah, they rule through fear, you know, like, they're, they're a problem. Like, especially in most Isley, you know, there's a reason he's set up in most Espa and stuff, you know, they're, 
the access to most Isley is probably a little bit harder to get because of the Pike Syndicate. And once he takes him down, we'll probably see a little bit more of Moss Isley. But, uh, you know, we we head out to the to the docking bay and the N1 fighter leaves the hangar and pit droids drive it out into the open and Pelly's impressed with their uh, with their craftsmanship. And Din asks what happened to the astromech socket. And Pelly replies, no, she removes it since she's aware of his uh, his aversion for droids. And uh, while Pelly reprimands the droids for their foul language, Din inspects the N1 fighter and opines that the ship is ready. And uh, Pelly agrees and allows Din to start up the ship and climbs up into the cockpit, cockpit, attempts to fire it up, and it falters. She's like, just give it a little more juice. You know, it'll be fine. And uh, he opens the ship and uh, it goes ahead and starts up. And Din takes the N1 fighter into the air and he engages the ship's forward drives above most Isley. And he's like, oh, ride's a little bumpy. Uh, and she's like, ah, you're, you're used to a gunship. That's a starfighter. Go ahead and fly it like one. And he's like, open All right, her up. <laughs> I'm open her up. And the way he just takes off, you're like, all right, nobody fucking with this. And he flies through a bunch of rocky formations and you're like, oh, that noise. Don't... I'm like, oh, is this where I think we're headed? And, uh, mm-hmm. and then tells Pelly, you know, ship is fast and he's testing the starfighter's maneuverability. And Pelly's like, you know, if you move your navigational disposition between the twin suns, you'll be right in Beggar's Canyon, which we see is, you know, was a part of the uh, pod racing that Anakin took part in when he was younger and is also somewhere that Luke learned to fly his little, his, his fucking speeder. You but, know, uh, um, Anakin really should have gotten one of these ships for the, uh, no shit. Pod racing. Uh, what if hop in one of these, he would have won easily. Well, but, duh. Uh, <laughs> this is a starfighter and not, not a pod. A pod. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, close enough. Listen, just like, just add some fake extensions onto it, make it look like a pod racer. And then just, you know, just, just, just ride it out. You got this thing, baby. But, uh, you know, uh, he goes in and flies this thing through Beggar's Cannon, and you're like, oh, fuck yeah. He got, like, mirroring shots of the pod race and everything, and he's like, all right, let's see what this baby's got. And he flies it up into space, and he's, like, I remember thinking, like, he gets, like, really close to, like, the the Starliner, and I was like, that can't be legal. Mm. Uh, that's an airplane. Imagine if someone just kind of, like, flew up and around your fucking airplane. Uh, you'd shit your pants. I mean, it's literally the equivalent of like flying a drone around an airport whenever, you know, there yeah. are planes like taking off and landing. Cause that's like a, nope, straight to jail. Yeah. <laughs> the Rodian child sees him, you know, outside the window and he's like, oh fuck yeah, I'm gonna be just like that guy. <laughs> uh, but then flies in circles around the thing and then, you know, he's quickly intercepted by a couple of New Republic starfighters and their X-wings. And, uh, I love that, uh, the the shot we get of him leveling out, I don't know if you noticed what it's like a perfect mirror of, but the first shot in Attack of the Clones, when Padme's oh ship is going God. down towards Coruscant and it's spinning like that, hmm. the, it's the exact same shot. But uh, wow. you know, the, the pilot Reed, played by uh, uh, the guy who was the body double for Mark Hamill in The Mandalorian, is one of these is one of these pilots here. And uh, he asked him to run a beacon for him, and then asks if he was doing anything wrong. And he's like, "Yeah, you're definitely not supposed to do what you just did." Uh, <laughs> like, all right, I'm gonna need you to run. Sorry, officer. What, was is there a problem, officer? Oh yeah, no, you, you uh, just nearly you destroyed almost, that. Yeah, um, you almost hit a uh, giant commercial sh- uh, spaceship. Um, <laughs> yeah, something's super wrong, dude. Yeah, that's not allowed. And 
Din's like, I'm sorry, I'll transmit my beacon. And Reed's like, oh, the engine model doesn't match the power drive. And Din's like, well, yeah, I just built the ship. I'm taking her out for a test flight. I like that a lot of this was like real world, like yeah. problems just applied to Star Wars, like TSA and then getting pulled over by the cops in a car that. It's like, huh, built, literally like, everything about you, like on this registration, everything is different about this car, except for, you know, huh. the paint. Yeah. Weird. But, uh, you know, he says, you know, I haven't been able to update the registration and. Reed requests that he transmit his title tabs and then says, you know, his transmitter isn't working. He offers to run to Moss Eisley to fix it. And Reed's like, all right, relinquish your fight, flight controls for remote control access. And the second Re- New Republic pilot, Carson Tiva, who we love this guy. Oh, Appa, if you've watched uh, Kim's Convenience, love this man. But uh, tells Reed to cancel that order since uh, they can let Din go with a warning this time. Din thanks Tiva and says, you know, he'll take care of the matter. And Tiva notices his voice. He's like, let me ask you a question. Did you used to fly a Razor Crest? And Din's like, I think you got the wrong guy. Oh, uh, excuse me. What's what's a Razor Crest, officer? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. And I like that he's like, well, you know, the Razor Crest surfaced on a transponder log on Navarro in an incident involving Imperial Remnants. Just trying to connect some dots. And, like, I like that the, the implication here, too, is that, like, he's not even mad. You know, it's just yeah. kind of like, you know, like, thanks. This is we're, very valuable yeah. information. It's like, like were, were you the dude? I'm just trying to see. And Din was like, uh, no, uh, uh, you mind, you mind answering some questions? And he's like, "Hmm." he just wanted the information for like the rebellion, you know, like that was it. He's like, damn, you're this dude that did this for us. Like, I mean, if we could actually know what went down, like during this would be very helpful information, you know? And like, I mean, Din's like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) You hit that button. You're going to, what did she say? Like, if you hit this button, you'll for sure to exhaust your. Oh yeah. You'll, you'll, some, he says, she basically says you'll shit your pants. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If once you hit this button, you'll exhaust your manifold. You're, you'll evacuate your exhaust manifold if you know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, Mm. but, uh, you know, Reed asked Tiva, how did, how did Din do that without powering up his hyperdrives? And he's like, those weren't hyperdrives. Those were sublight thrusters. And you're like, oh, God damn. And he's like, we can't even detect him anymore. That man's gone, gone. And, you know, Tiva's like, well, we should just let him go to avoid filing reports all day. Uh, let's let's do it. And uh, later on, you know, Din returns to Pelly's hangar. And, you know, he's like, man, Pelly's like, how'd it go? Wizard. Mm, that was sick. That oh, was... I loved it. Oh, and uh, like the way he said it, it was like the most excited, wizard. like you've heard Din. Oh, like wizard. Yeah, wizard. it was oh, it was so cool. Like Oh, she's smooth as a gonk scomp jack. You know, like this man loved it. Like, this is a man who's never flown another ship, finally got a chance to fly another ship that really gasses it up and goes, Oh my god, I had this, no idea. This is a man who's flown a minivan around space for the last, you know, twenty That's years fair. of his life and was now given a fucking uh, a Lamborghini. And right. just said, go to town, baby. <laughs> I think uh, if I could make a prediction, I think that she's afraid of flying. This is why she's never been off world. And that's why she likes building planes and like, go, go, you know, fixing them up and stuff. But right. and then I think Din's going to be the one to like break her out of her shell and like f- make her fly. it. You know, be like, this is like this is your baby. You know, you got to You got to take her up and experience this. And I don't know. I, I see that or maybe not in Book of Boba, but in uh Probably in the Mandalorian, like, yeah. In the no, I could certainly see that. You know, I think it's it's only a matter of time before she leaves Tatooine at some point, just mm. because of that line. It's like it implies they've got some more in store for Amy Sedaris's Pelly, and I frankly I want it all because she's awesome. But uh, you know, uh, she tells him that an old friend 
of his had dropped by and she's like, I didn't trust him. I locked her out and engaged the hangar security system. And Din's like, what their name, what was their name? And you know, you hear Fennec Shand and Pelly is surprised, you know, what the fuck? I told, like, I told you to get this shit to get, and you know, Fennec is like, all right, I'm gonna go ahead and climb on down from this little pedestal. I had myself set up on here. And, uh, <laughs> Fennec goes up to Din and is like, you looking for work? And Din's like, uh, yeah, sure. And, Tosses him a bag of credits. You know, pay is good. And Din's like, what's the bounty? It's not a bounty. Boba Fett needs some muscle. Well, I like how he's like, she's it's, like, we need some muscle. A... And Din goes, Boba, Boba Fett. Fett. Mm. Yeah. It's it's like, not a bounty. It's family. Mm. <laughs> Tell him this but, uh, the house. I lo- and I, I, I love this because I was like, there's no way Din's charging Boba for work. You know, he's going to he's gonna go ahead and be his boy. And he did. Uh, he agrees to the job offer. Uh, but first... I have to visit a little friend. And thus we cut to black, concluding the return of the Mandalorian. And, uh, I mean, I loved this episode. Uh, I need Bryce Dallas Howard to direct a lot more star Wars because everything she's directed has been an absolute banger. Uh, she's directed a sanctuary in season one of the Mandalorian where he is off with the woman he seemingly falls in love with, where Grogu is very happy and stuff. They protect the village. She directed the heiress where Bo-Katan is reintroduced in season two, uh, on that water planet. And she directed this episode, uh, the return of the Mandalorian. So she's, she's got nothing but bangers under her belt. And, uh, you know, her dad having directed solo, a star Wars story, it's just a really cool little connection there. Hmm, is that kind of like a I never thought about this. Like obvious like maybe they pick directors because it's like the big storyline, right? The reason they pick these directors is like the big storyline that she has is the love story of you know, maybe it's Den's love story and that he will return back there to that planet and that will be his base of operations. Like that'd be her. awesome. And like that would make the scene of like him and her like um like, do you ever remove your helmet? You know, like asking and then like him coming back and probably like. Oh, I think I think if he ever goes back, he he walks up to her and just like takes off the helmet. And mm. it's like and she's gonna be like, oh, oh, you are sexy. You oh, are Pedro. Pascal. I knew it. God I... damn. I want to <laughs> fuck you. Uh, now, nah, Pedro Pascal is a fine motherfucker and uh, that will never change. Mm. Um, presumably. But uh, yeah, this was a hell of a good episode. I miss my boy Boba. I really do. I'm excited mm. for the next couple weeks uh, because sh- it's just a real shame he's not even not even making an appearance in this episode in in, in any capacity. Like, and the fact that he doesn't make an appearance first, I have to go visit a little friend. You know, like if we're not visiting a little friend. Fennec takes him straight to Boba's palace and we're there. That's so interesting that he said first. Like, that is... Because they could have easily just been like, all right, he's going to do whatever for Boba, then go see Baby Yoda, you know? Or like Grogu. Um, but it... Hmm. Like, is there a chance we get that? Like, no way, right? I, I like, like I, I want it, you know? Like, obviously, like, I'm like... Any content I can get with Din and Grogu and Luke Skywalker, for God's sakes, I'm fucking here. But, like, at least go get Boba and Fennec and bring them. Uh, even though, like, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, Boba's got the fort to hold down. Which which makes me think this will be an off-screen thing. 
that uh, we see in season three of The Mandalorian. And Din returns to the fold in a deus ex machina moment where he's kind of like the the savior of the of the moment. You know, like he he goes ahead and turns the tide for a second and Boba finishes it off sort of thing. But uh, like it seems seems that Din's going to be a part of these last two episodes. You know what I'm saying? Like pretty, pretty prevalent uh, anyway. Hmm. Uh, Interesting. I mean. We thought that Din would be in this episode, yeah, but not the whole episode before. No, I didn't know? think like, this was going to be an episode who of Who knows where they're going, you know? Like Exactly. No, and that, what's what's hilarious to me is that this was the third episode where we've been like, they're about to go to war. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this knows? episode. Maybe, maybe the they war's, just the I'm convinced the war is the finale. We're not, yeah, like, was... we're not even going to, like, it's not next week either. I was gonna say maybe they like this this next episode. The first half is him going to visit Grogu. We get a little bit with him and Grogu, and then it, he comes back, and then they you know build up you know, some muscle, or shit. Maybe he uh, gets a uh, Luke. He gets Luke, Luke and Grogu to come back. help out on oh. Tatooine. If he gets Luke to come back to Tatooine to help, that'd be that'd be pretty fucking sick. Oh, I doubt it happens, but oh, oh what it a won't. Thing. But like. <laughs> the, the potential for a storyline there in terms of like Boba and L- like the fact that Din's going to go to Skywalker Luke, Academy, go, all right, sorry, guys, I have to leave. Deuce is Luke. I'm going to go help Boba Fett take over Tatooine. And Luke's going to be like, Boba uh, Fett? Wait, what? Who? When? Why? Where? We killed that guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my Did you God. Realize? Yes. You, not, you didn't think no, about that, Joseph? God. Like, no, I mean. I know all these things, but I'm not putting it together as like, yeah. this is all new, you know, it's still new that Luke is going to, two days ago. Yeah. Boba Fett's alive, you know, be like, I don't know. Like that's still a new concept, but like, yeah. damn. Wow. I wonder how involved Mark Hamill is now. And like, even if he's not, because I guess this is just prime Luke. This is just young Luke. Maybe they just go with the new, this is where we get new the guy, new, yeah whoever it is and what if it's sebastian what if that's like the big bam of the season like sebastian stan we we're doing it you we're know? not getting sebastian stan as luke it, and i don't want sebastian stan as luke anymore i'm passionate well, who, who was who was luke in Mandalorian? the guy who was the was, the rebel pilot the, uh, yeah okay. not the rebel pilot was say, Republic maybe, pilot. maybe they funny. included him as a rebel pilot to like to try and throw people off the trail because like he was like in the casting and people were, you know, maybe it was like as like a no look, he's a rebel pilot, not coming back as Luke, and then it's going to be like, a, go fuck yourself. He actually is coming back as Luke. Oh, he is Luke Skywalker from now on. Like, well, but I'm saying like I'm saying for the like for the book of Boba Fett, maybe like, they use that to try and like as a red herring to be like, look, he came back as you know just a rebel pilot. That's why he's in this, not because he's coming back as Luke in these in this season, but in reality, he is arguably. Like whoever they choose for Luke right now, like oh wait, they've they've chose their guy. Like if they're gonna choose, Luke, like it's gonna be Lloyd jo- Max Lloyd Jones, the guy who played him in the Mandalorian's season finale. Like if they, like I don't see them okay, going another route now. Yeah. Uh, they've got the guy who they think is young Luke Skywalker. Mm. Um, whether they bring him to life in any way, I couldn't tell you. Uh. I would I would be willing to bet that this little bit here where they included Max Lloyd Jones is just kind of something to be like he he is someone we have in the rotation like hmm. he's here you know what I'm saying they're uh, priming us for him just to come back next episode 
as legitimately Luke Skywalker. No, and you know, like I, I will say, like even if he doesn't, I'm cool. You know, like yeah. if if we stick with Boba and we roll with this, like that's what the show's about. That's what I want. I'm here for that. We can go do all that other shit later. But you know, it would be awesome if that's how we start the next episode. Uh, and frankly, uh, that's kind of all I've got. My last thought was that the the music at the beginning was kick ass. The theme song was a mashup of the Book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian's whistle mm. notes, which was really awesome. Uh, but yeah, guys, I'm gonna go around in a circle, ask for last thoughts. Uh, Joe, any last thoughts on the episode? Overall thoughts? Hmm. Let's see. No really grand theories cooking up in the grand old noggin, but uh, I just want to see. Uh, I I just want to see what Mandal Mandalore's like. That's my only thing that ke- keeps me thinking. Like, is Den really going back there? Does he really care about you know getting rid of his sin and everything? Um. And, like, what does Mandalore look like right now? Is it just empire heavy everywhere? I want to know. That's where that's where my head's at, at least. I'm with you. I'm with you. And Tillman, Tillman McClooney, any last thoughts here on this episode of The Mandalorian? Um, This combination, um, like, 5% of me was pissed because I was like, this is a Mandalorian episode. This is not a Boba Fett episode. But I, the ninety five percent of me was like, this episode was entertaining. It was great, and like, I, I, you know, I never realized how much I appreciate appreciated the Mandalorian, or I had forgotten until I get an episode and he's on the screen, and it just sends a whole bunch of excitement. And I, that's why, you know, I mentioned to you guys, I was like, you, I before you, I watched the episode, you guys watched it, and I was like. I thought some chaos was going to ensue in this episode because you guys hyped it up so much before I even knew what was going on. So I was like, you guys kind of overhyped it. And that wasn't taking anything away from Mandalorian. I just I just thought some chaos ensued. But I was also excited mm. to watch this episode. And oh, yeah. I'm excited to see where these, because these Star Wars shows are good. And I'm excited to see where they go and how they tie this into Boba. And is Boba just going to have a squad of bounty hunters behind him? Like, we're going to get that action-packed scene of slow motion where there's like a, explosion or uh the setting sun in the background it's just a line of bounty hunters just walking mm. just walking towards the screen I'm talking towards the camera like i'm excited to see where this is going i'm excited too thank you tillman and any last thoughts miles motherfucking buttress i mean no i i, I kind of you know echoing what tillman said we definitely did overhype it um but that's because i fucking loved it's oh no like yeah you know as soon as, like i was not i was thinking you know maybe he'll show up in this episode i was not expecting it just to be like oh yeah no here he is for you know you know din's din's my father so like here. that's daddy so i'm gonna be i'm gonna be excited anytime he's on yeah. screen so he he popped up and i was just like what 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 the fuck is he doing here and so i just you know i was not ready for it at all and then you know it's just Really, I agree. It was definitely more of a a Mandal or yeah, more Mandalorian episode, the Book of Boba Fett. But I also love the fact that it's now definitely a hundred percent set us up for, um, we're pretty much guaranteed at least to have now Boba Fett, Finnick Shand, Black Crescenton, and at least Din all all together working together. Um, with I'm gonna go uh, with my hope of hope. Um, that we get. You know, Cat like Bane, Grogu, Grogu, or, or, or I was thinking like Grogu and other people, you know, like Grogu mm. or like potentially even Luke just being like a, like Luke coming back to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to liberate my home world type thing. I mean, I, I, I would like 
<laughs> I would. I don't think it's going to happen. Like, I would love the idea of Luke coming back and like freeing the slaves with Tatooine and stuff. But the uh, the thing for me is that like we can't have him be just like this. You know what? No matter what happens this season, Luke's got it at the end. Yeah. Uh, oh, I would agree. Like, I, I, I don't want it to happen, but at the same time, I would love it. Like, to if happen. it happens, you're not going to complain. Yeah, guess, guess what makes the uh, the watermelon at the center of the planet more viable exactly. is if Luke comes back to break that open and put exactly. water back on Tatooine. Luke, he knows the melon, melon is there. <laughs> but, it's uh, oceans of not yeah. water, but milk. <laughs> With that, we will conclude the Starlight yeah. Soundwave. I, I though, five. very much am not – like, there are a lot of Star Wars fans on Twitter that, like, hate the idea of, like, oh, I hate that we just keep this, like, tight-knit universe and we keep bringing back the same characters. Who gives a fuck? I want to see – I want to see Luke Skywalker at every fucking opportunity. And again, I don't care. We talked about this. Me and Joe talked about this briefly on the on the Patreon. Like, the logicking your way in and out of stories, guys. Yeah. I'm here for world-building. I'm not here for realism. Like, obviously, the realism of Din and Boba, or Din and Luke, and all these characters interacting, Din and Ahsoka, like, all these people just popping. No, the odds aren't great. It's a really big universe. But, hey, it's a fucking show and movie. And Uh, 10 out of 10 times, I would much rather you bring in a character that I already know and love than just be like, here's Joe fucking Schmo. We're going to bring him in for two episodes, and he's he's never going to show up again. What's wrong with Joe? No, Joe's not Joe. Not, not, not you, Joe. Joe I mean, Schmo, Joe. Okay. Um, Joe Schmo, like, I don't want I don't want him to create Joe a character here. to show up for two episodes and to be like, all right, he's throw him in the trash can. We're never gonna use him again. It's like, no, know, we've also to, gotten those. We've gotten uh, those, and like it's fine, but at the same time, I I love reoccurring characters because it, it deepens my connection to them. Exactly. I'm with you. And it, like I just think that like people tend to ignore one or the other. Like, what do you call Mayfeld? Bill Burr's character. Is that mm-hmm. a character you knew in love before? No. Fennec Shand. That a character you knew and loved before? No. Black Chrysanthemum. That a character you knew and loved no, before? No. Like, but, but Colton, there are new characters them, all so the time. Terrible. You're ignoring them. Yeah. <laughs> With that, we'll conclude the Sarlacc sound wave number five. I was Colton Robertson, joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Oh, it is always a pleasure to have you. And thank you, Tillman McClooney. Always a pleasure to be here. Highly appreciate the time. I know I was not very in, impactful in this conversation today, but just had a lot of thinking to do with all with all things you guys were saying and other. It was a lot of stuff. It was a lot of yeah. shit in the episode. I also I mean, accidentally yeah. stole someone's charger and had to go return it. So, yeah, you know, we we had a couple in and outs here, and uh, the other one was from Miles, my fucking butchers. Thank you very much here. Hey, always happy to be here. You know, I'm happy to be back anytime. Hey, would you be back next week even? Mayhaps. Mayhaps. Uh, with that, we conclude the Penny Bloom podcast. If you would, head to patreon.com slash Bloom, where you'll find well over 21 hours of exclusive content at this point, including uh, uh, exclusive podcast material. Oh, Tillman, what's up? <laughs> we Where we also, uh, just before this episode, we recorded a Patreon-exclusive 30-minute clip where we discussed uh, a great many things, including uh, Pushing P, and uh, uh, it's just just chaos over on Patreon. Uh, That's a a guarantee. Um, Pushing P, and they pierced, question mark? They pierced? But uh, (laughs) if you would, follow on Twitter at PennyBloomPod, follow on Instagram at PennyBloomPodcast. If you were fucking with me and Joe, 
Go check out our 52-year journey through film, where we've discussed a new movie every Friday of this year. This most recent Friday, just yesterday, was The Godfather Part Two, and next week's is 1975's Jaws. So very excited for you to hear that. And if you were fucking with me and Tillman, too bad. <laughs> yep, too bad, so sad. Racism! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. No, not quite. But, uh, yeah, with that, remember, peace, love, and bloom. And the rest of them! Wizard. Mm.